So when I was 14, I came to understand myself as not being straight. And looking back, I, like Julie, was in a very supportive family and church and school, but nevertheless, I struggled with it a lot at first. I heard homophobic vitriol on the news and subtle or not so subtle homophobic things from some of my peers at school, all directed at a community that I now understood myself to be a part of. And when I came out to my friends in 10th grade, I remember Gail in particular being totally nonchalant about my new understanding of myself almost annoyingly nonchalant. Her parents had had gay and lesbian friends who she had grown up with. She went to this incredibly progressive summer camp where she had queer camp counselors. And I had steeled myself for drama or at least some questions, but she just didn't care. And it wasn't that she didn't care, but she didn't seem to think it changed who I was in her eyes. And looking back, this was an enormous gift to have a friend who didn't seem to have to do much to process that information about me. I recently came across a picture of myself and Gail, and in this picture, we're both smiling, baby-faced, early high school, and we've got our arms draped over each other. And I can see this piece of cardstock hanging around my neck from a piece of string. And when I was in high school, and I understand that this is still going on today, the Gay Straight Alliance worked to host the Day of Silence each year, which is an event organized in schools across the country. And during the Day of Silence, participants will wear a card around their neck, and the card explains that they are choosing to remain silent vocally as a way to express solidarity and recognition of the ways that LGBTQ individuals are forced into closets and pressured to remain silent about their identities, either through stigma or through bullying or through heteronormativity. And this action was a way to make visible through extreme silence the ways in which certain parts of LGBTQ identities are silenced. And then when I looked more closely at this picture, I noticed that Gail too had a string around her neck. She too was participating in the Day of Silence as an ally, and I was so touched by this when I saw it, remembering a friend who, at 14 or 15, chose to walk with me in solidarity in a way that was public and visible when I needed her the most. Friends, I invite us to sing together, Walking With You. We'll lead it, and please join in when you've caught on. Walking Walking with you, walking with you is our prayer. Let's sing it once more. Walking, walking with you, walking with you is our So as most of you know, or many of you do, I'm a transgender man, which means that when I was born, the doctor said, it's a girl, and 27 years later, I said, I think you were wrong. <laughs> so coming out as trans for me, um, that was about four years ago, uh, has been relatively easy. I've been thinking about my gender, gender identity for a long time at that point, and there was almost no one that I told that was surprised. Many of my friends, knew transgender people or were transgender themselves. And sure, I was nervous telling some people, but generally I was pretty lucky to know ahead of time that most of the people in my life would be okay with it. 
which isn't something that everyone can say. But I did have one friend who I was really nervous to tell, like really nervous. He was a friend of mine who was otherwise very liberal, but for some reason didn't agree with transgender people. He felt that they should have rights, but otherwise he didn't think that it was right. His argument was that if you were a woman who felt like a man, you should just be a very butch, masculine woman. He felt that it invalidated his identity when a man said that they were transgender, when a transgender man said that he was transgender. He said it was like somebody painting their face and claiming to be black. And there was a part of me that wondered all this time, we'd known each other for 10 years, I wondered if he was right. We'd become quite good friends. And he lived in San Francisco, and I was living in Boston, and we had this weekly phone call. And I started ignoring him. I started ignoring him for weeks, and eventually he started to notice. I just couldn't bring myself to talk to him. I was so scared to tell him what was going on with me. And so finally, one day, I realized that I, I couldn't hide this from him anymore, and I called him, and I told him that there was something that I really, really needed to tell him. And I made him promise that he would still love me. And then through my tears, I told him that I was transgender and I was going to transition. And there was silence on the other end. And he said, are you sure? <laughs> You've always seemed okay as a masculine woman. No, no I said, no, you, you, don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. All these years, I've been trying to live this. I've been trying to live as this masculine woman. But the truth is, I think I'm a feminine man. And those are different things. And he paused and he said, wow, yeah, you're right. I've never thought about that way, but I know you pretty well and I think you're right. And I said to him, I'm scared. I'm scared I'm going to lose you as a friend. And he said, look, this will take some time for me to adjust to, but I love you and you are family to me. And no matter what, I support you in what you're doing. And it didn't take him a long time to adjust. A few months later, he said to me, he called up and he said, I want you to know that I've been thinking about it and I've been wrong. I've been wrong all these years. I thought I knew what it was to be trans. I thought I understood it. And I told you that so many times. But I have to accept the fact that I didn't know and that you're right. You have to be. And this meant a lot to me. My friend had realized that what mattered more was, was not whether or not he understood my transgender identity, but it was the fact that that was what I was saying I was. He put our relationship first and let go of his need to be right after all these years. One of the most important things we can do in this world is to let people tell us their truths for themselves and do our best to honor it. Please, let's sing together, Walking With You. Walking, walking with you, walking with you is our prayer. Walking, walking with you, walking with you is our prayer. So when I was in seminary at Andover Newton Theological School, I met a new student my very last semester at school. His name was Otto. And at this time, <laughs> you may have met him. So when I met this new student, I knew his name was Otto, 
But what I didn't actually know was which pronouns Otto used, and this became a little bit of a problem. You see, this new student and I happened to be in an online Christian ethics course together, and the coursework was due every Monday at 5 p.m. You had to submit it online. And so from 2 o'clock on Monday to 5 o'clock on Monday, Otto would find ourselves week after week doing our online coursework together at the very last minute in the library. And we would chat and we would sometimes compare notes on the readings and roll our eyes at the commentaries online. And we slowly were becoming friends. But the thing was, I didn't know how to talk to other people about this new friend I was making. I tried lots of tricks I had learned in the queer community when I didn't know someone's pronouns and they weren't around to ask. I tried talking around pronouns, using Otto's name an awkward amount of time. <laughs> oh yes, Otto and I have been, uh, have, both have some time between UU worship and evening classes. Otto and I plan to work in the library together, but I think Otto's done Otto's homework already this week because <laughs> Otto is on top of the ball. And in the event that I backed myself into a grammatical corner, I would resort to the gender-neutral they as the safest bet. And as Otto mentioned, he came out as transgender at 27, which is around the time that we met. And he and I were recently talking about that semester when we met, and he asked me what pronouns did I use for him when I first met him. And I admitted that I didn't know. And he said, Heather, why didn't you just ask me? <laughs> and I thought hard about this question. You see, I consider myself to be a pretty good ally to the transgender community. Identif identifying as queer myself, I've always seen trans folks as part of the larger queer community and as us walking together. I had many friends and community members who came out as transgender in college, and I had, thought, I had been taught that if you didn't know someone's pronouns, you should just ask. That it wasn't better, it that was always better to ask and have it be a little awkward than to misuse somebody's pronouns. And I was adept at remembering to switch pronouns for someone when they told me that they were using different pronouns. I knew that it wasn't polite to ask transgender people about their bodies or about their names before they transitioned or to inquire after the details of hormones or surgeries. That's not polite. But when I met Otto, I didn't, I just didn't ask him his, I just, I didn't just ask him which pronouns he used. I told myself that I didn't really need to know. It wasn't really my business. And it wasn't something that I felt any urgency about figuring out. I figured that I'd figure it out in due time and that I told myself I was pra practicing radical non-curiosity about things that didn't affect me. <laughs> My intentions were good, for sure, but I realized that there was also a part of me that was not asking Otto his pronouns in order to avoid the potential awkwardness of asking, the potential of putting someone who might not be ready to talk about it in a position where they had to feel like they had to answer, or my fear of offending someone by asking what pronouns they used. And I had made these same gaffes before. I had asked a friend a few years earlier when he was early in the process of coming out as transgender if he wanted me to use different pronouns, and I got a response that felt like, I, I really don't want to talk about it, please don't ask me that. But the impact I realize now of not asking Otto was that I didn't know whether or not, he didn't know whether or not I was someone who would be supportive of him. And that asking for his pronouns would have been a way to communicate that even if he didn't have an answer for me at that moment. And the impact was that I didn't see Otto for who he was, and I assigned him pronouns that weren't right for him. 
In walking with people who are in marginalized communities, there can be paradoxical requests about what it takes to walk with someone well. And in talking with Otto, I remember that it's not about memorizing a list of rules, though there are some universal things that are more or less appropriate to inquire about. But it's more about being in relationship with an individual person who may have particular perspectives or needs or preferences or experiences about how they are treated. And it was my job to learn about those preferences and practice humility, to apologize when I've messed up, and to do my best to walk with the person in front of me. Walking, walking with you, walking with you is our prayer. So, uh, Heather and I have been teaching the coming of age class this year, and I know there's a few folks in the coming of age class, maybe, maybe just Emma, maybe some other people. <laughs> so this will be an interesting story. Um, yeah, Emma. <laughs> uh, so we've been teaching this, it's a program for middle school youth at the church, and uh, during our retreat this year, I noticed at one point that everyone was being loud and it was, it was, was getting difficult to get everyone's attention. There are 13, year, there are 13, 13 through 15 year olds, so you can understand how that'd be. So I started using my voice, my deep, loud, manly voice to get their attention. And not just when I needed to get their attention, but also when Heather was trying to get their attention. As in, Heather would start talking and I would more loudly just yell out, hey, listen, listen up. I thought I was helping. I mean, my voice was deep. People would listen. Often it would get their attention. But after I did this a few times, Heather just kind of looked at me in a way that made me know that my helping wasn't so welcome. It was something like this. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped and afterwards she pulled me aside. I'm sorry, my voice is just louder, I said, feeling a little defensive. And she said, do you know how long I've been a camp counselor? A long time. <laughs> Very long, much longer than I've been working with youth, let's say that. Our conversation was interrupted and I reflected on what she said. And she was right. I was kind of assuming that she couldn't manage the group because her voice was too high. And I thought that they would pay attention to me because my voice was deep, which the underlying assumption was there was they would pay attention to me because I was a man. Even though Heather has years and years of experience on me when it comes to classroom management and working with youth. But I still did feel a little defensive. I mean, I, I could, really speak, could I really be speaking over Heather in a way that without thinking about these gender implications? I mean, I'm trans. I know what it's like to have men talk over me. Sometimes I feel like I'm the best ally to women because I know what it's like. But the truth is that I'm not because we all fall short. And that's part of this work. It was a gift for Heather to point this out to me because she's given me this gift of reflecting back to me a way in which I was acting which I didn't realize. And I value my relationship, both personal and professional with Heather. And this was a way for us to remain authentic in our relationship together. Sometimes we forget how big of a deal it can be for people who are marginalized to point out these kinds of interactions. I could have gotten angry or told her she was being too sensitive. Instead, I swallowed my pride and defensiveness and apologized and thanked her for telling me and I make a concerted effort to change my behavior in that class. 
around getting that attention. Let us sing together. Walking, walking with you, walking with you is our prayer. So Otto and I share these stories about ourselves because we know that neither of us are perfect. And I know I've gotten the message over my lifetime that it's a shameful thing to make a mistake. That sometimes that fear of shame has stopped me from taking a risk, like when I didn't ask Otto for his pronouns. It would have been a risk, it would have felt like a risk, and I didn't want to make a mistake. And sometimes when we may take risks, we really do mess it up. But we learn about the world by messing up. So often adults strive to be perfect, as the world has taught us bit by bit that messing up is the end of the road when we know that we cannot improve at something if we don't practice our skills. Little kids are really good at this. And the amazing thing is that in talking about it later, both of these situations, Otto and I each took risks and we trusted the strength of our relationship to hold these risks. Because my experience has shown me that it can be incredibly valuable to talk about the ways that identity plays a role in our interpersonal relationships. It allows us to ex understand experiences that we do not personally have and to walk with others better. And I'm sure that you've noticed as we were telling our stories that we each have an experience of telling our story from the side of someone who has been marginalized by society and from the perspective of somebody who is empowered by society. Otto is male and I'm cisgender, which means that when I was born and the doctor said, it's a girl, they just happened to be right. Each of us has complex and intersecting identities shaping our experiences of the world. So Friday, as Nathan said, was Transgender Day of Visibility, also Crayon Day. But on Transgender Day of Visibility, we introduced our pronouns on our name tags this week because it's a way for us to show as a community that we care about trying to walk with the transgender and gender non-conforming community. We are showing through our name tags and through our rainbow flag out front that UUAC is a community that walks with transgender people and where transgender people walk among us. We can't promise protection and we can't promise perfection, but we can promise presence. We can promise to walk with. Let us sing again. Walking, walking with you, walking with you is our prayer. And it's also important for us to be visible, but that can be vulnerable. As a transgender person, I feel that it's important for me to share this part of myself with you so that you have examples of trans people in your lives and in places of leadership. And it's an important part of who I am and it's a part of myself that I love and who's, who has made me, me. But I have to be honest that it's scary so much to focus on this part of my identity in a sermon with you. I worry that being transgender will become all people think I talk about, that I'll be the transgender minister instead of the minister who's transgender. But visibly being an ally to transgender people is also powerful, and that's why we have these stickers. It's a clear sign to any transgender person walking in the door that we are ready to walk with them. But there is vulnerability as well, because as Heather said, we might make mistakes. The word vulnerable comes from the Latin word root, meaning having the ability to be wounded. 
when someone shares an identity with you, a queer identity like Heather did or a trans identity like I did, they risk rejection. And that risk of rejection is present every time I tell someone about the fact that I'm transgender. But it's worth it to me because I need to share this about myself to feel authentic. And now, not every transgender person this feels this way or should be expected to share this aspect of themselves. But for me, it's important. And I think vulnerability and authenticity are at play for all of us. It's vulnerable to ask for what we need. It's vulnerable to say when something someone said or did felt hurtful. It was vulnerable for Heather to ask me to stop talking over her. But our relationship is built on authenticity and vulnerability, and that helped us move past that and learn from each other. And in these ways, when we walk with someone, we are opening ourselves up to being hurt. We are allowing ourselves to be wounded. And that is our prayer of presence. It's a powerful thing, making space for someone to be authentic. Friends, let's find ways in which we can be vulnerable and visible with each other so that we can be authentic in our relationships as allies in this community and in this world. Let us say together, amen. Amen. amen.